The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Hey, what's up, Pelicans fans? It's not every day you can double your money. But with my bookie, you double your money instantly thanks to their double deposit bonus for all new users. With my bookie's double deposit bonus, when you sign up at mybookie.ag and use my promo code SPORTSDRINK, you'll instantly receive double your initial deposit so you can kickstart your betting experience with all the best games, leagues, and casino options to choose from. Set yourself up for success by doubling your first deposit when using promo code SPORTSDRINK at MyBookie. That's promo code SPORTSDRINK to double your initial deposit all the way up to $1,000. Bet anything, anywhere, anytime with MyBookie. We've got a new sponsor that you guys are going to love. Symbol is the stock market for sports that allows you to profit off your sports knowledge. On Symbol, you can trade sports teams like stocks, and every time your teams win, you're in cash. Use your sports knowledge on Symbol to buy low, sell high, and earn cash payouts when your teams win. Join the 7,000-plus early adopters who have started to invest in their favorite teams. Visit www.symbol.com to create a free account, and when you deposit, make sure to use the promo code SD to make your deposit risk-free. Visit Symbol.com and use the promo code SD and your deposit will be risk-free. That means even if you lose money, Symbol will refund your initial deposit, no questions asked. Join Symbol and start investing and profiting from your favorite teams. The Spotify Greenroom app. It's a live, audio-only sports talk platform. It's free to download and to use. It's available on iPhones and Androids now. You can talk to me, other fans, athletes, and insiders in real time. It's perfect for watch parties, debates, post-game breakdowns, and reacting to breaking news. Share your own experiences on the app. Now, Spotify Greenroom is free, audio-only social media platform for sports fans. All you need to do is download the Spotify Greenroom app free in the iOS App Store or for your Android. Create a profile, link your Twitter, and join whatever league group you want. You are listening to The Bird Calls on the Sports Drink Network. For more on your Pelicans, go to iTunes, search The Bird Calls, and subscribe today. Welcome to another edition of The Bird Calls. I am your host, David Grubb, along with Kevin Barrios and editor-in-chief of TheBirdRights.com, Mr. Ali Cosell. Gentlemen, um, how are we doing? It's been a while since we've gotten to chat, the three of us together. I hope all is well as we get ready for a very cold and nasty weekend here in South Louisiana. Yeah, I'm doing. I'm doing pretty good. It's nice to be back. I missed the last few. I just been having a lot of stuff going on. So um, happy to talk to you guys again. It's been quite a while. Yeah, Kev's yeah. got diabetes since the last time we talked. <laughs> right. Yeah, <laughs> I know, man. I, I watch. I, I follow Kevin's Instagram and all this, and this dude's been just eating everywhere, luxurious across New Orleans. Hey, man. Where was part of the Kevin? Gig. Where did you go up in Marigny or wherever that is? Um, that really exclusive, hard to get a reservation, like a uh sushi style place oh nagami yes yeah. don't even try to get in you have to have connections 
I've heard that you can reserve it at the first of the month, right? They open everything up for the following month or something. And if you're like first, you can get in, but otherwise forget yeah, it. Yeah, good luck. good luck with that. I know the chef personally, and I can hardly ever get in. Although this time he told me, as long as I'm going with just one other person, he'll squeeze me in every time I want to go. So Is the food really worth it? Like a awesome. Oh, yeah. It's incredible. Yeah. Yeah, your pictures look cool. awesome. <laughs> you, you know Kevin does not. Like he does not take his food lightly. No, no. Ever since I've met Kevin, <laughs> yep. If there is the slightest hint of mediocrity of something, he will make sure that we are aware. And if it's I, worse than that, he will be blunt as you know, a goddamn. Yeah. Now that you mention it, I will never forget the hot dog he got out in Las Vegas because he brought it up <laughs> a year later too. <laughs> he hated oh, it that man. much. <laughs> I, I still have nightmares about that thing. But, uh, I mean, I did, you know, don't make me sound like some, like, foodie guy, totally. I mean, I went and had uh, Bud's Broiler yesterday. And no, no, no. And it was but fabulous. I mean, that's a good burger. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, that's like, a good local burger. You know what I'm exactly. saying? That's not McDonald's. You know what I'm saying? Like, you don't, you didn't walk into McDonald's. I mean, and even if you eat McDonald's, you know what I'm saying? You're not like, yo, you got to go to McDonald's. You know what I'm saying? Right. If you go to Bud's Broiler, you're saying, I'm going to have a good burger today. You're not, you're not bragging. You're not being a dick. You just say, hey, I'm going to have a good burger. Fuck. Have some fun. I'm with <laughs> Kevin, man. I love good food. And you know what I recently started doing? Shannon got me for Christmas uh, a shucking set. So I have fallen in love with just buying some raw oysters and shucking them myself. Nice. I've been having them twice a week, man. I got my jiving set. Nice. <laughs> Speaking of, uh, of food, you guys want to just jump into the Zion thing or what? Yeah, yeah, I guess we should. Um, it's, it's, I don't know how to address this because there yeah, are two do. ways to look at this. And okay, yeah, we talked about this offline, so I'll go ahead and lead with that. My comments after the latest news about Zion Williamson, and, and if you don't know, uh, A, I'm, I'm wondering why you're listening to this podcast, but, uh, but B, um, if you don't know, Zion Williamson has announced today that no Pelicans personnel is actually been with him during this rehabilitation in Portland. And that the person he's rehabilitating with uh, has a bit of a sketchy past. We have no idea how sketchy because what makes it worse is that court records, you know, and court uh, agreements have sealed up a lot of that information. The thing of this for me is everybody wants Zion to be successful. Players in the league want Zion to be successful. Fans want Zion to be successful. The NBA wants Zion to be successful. Marketers want Zion to be successful. You know, everyone. There's nobody who would wish ill intentionally on Zion Williamson. I mean, you know, maybe there are, I don't, but the average person would not. And yet, every step of his career has either been mishandled by him or the New Orleans Pelicans to the point now, and, and I said this in our chat, that I'm tired now. I'm tired. It's 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 getting hard to give a damn about Zion Williamson anymore. Like I'm ready in a lot of ways emotionally and basketball wise to move on. It feels like a sunken cost at this point dealing with Zion Williamson. The talent has not been worth the frustration to this point. Maybe the stock pays off. But as for right now, I would feel terrible in owning it, even if I was feeling like I'm going to hold on to it and see it through. I would just feel shitty about my investment today. Uh, Kevin, I'm going to let you respond first because 
you're you're a fan and and you've talked about this a little bit longer than I have. You reached a place of frustration a little bit earlier than I did. So let it out. Yeah, I think, um, I mean, I have a lot of things I could say, but I, I just feel like when you look at this situation and, and, you know, you followed the NBA a lot longer than I have, but I don't ever remember a situation where you have a star player who is every time now he's had two injuries in three years. And every time he has this injury, uh, the timeline just keeps constantly shifting and moving back and moving back and moving back where at some point that player doesn't ask out, or if he is a free agent, just leave the organization and cite lack of trust. Now I'm not saying it's the organization's fault. I think there's fault on both sides, but I just don't, I no longer have optimism that this is a long-term thing here. And, you know, with having B.I., Jonas Valanciunas, Herb Jones, and Josh Hart all locked into contracts, all really bought into playing for Willie Green and the culture here. And there's excitement amongst the players. You can see the joy when they play. And I feel like the team maybe even got Zion out of the building to Portland and agreed to do that mainly because it's this dark negative cloud just hanging over the team. And I feel like at this point, you know, maybe it's time to sell, even if you got to sell low, because, um, you know, if he asks for the trade in the off season, it has to be a sign and trade. He has more control. Uh, the other team has all the leverage. So you're going to be selling for nickels on the dime. If he doesn't ask out this summer, then there's a good chance he's going to ask out after you have him under contract and then you have a whole nother lame duck year like you had with Anthony Williams. I mean, Anthony Davis. Uh, Anthony Williams was a good Freudian slip because I see a lot of similarities in their personalities. Um, Two guys who don't seem to commit to what they needed to commit to to be great while they're here. Anthony Davis playing center, Zion Williamson getting in shape, getting his diet right. I know a lot of things about what he's eating around town. And when I learned some of those things, it really changed my perspective of what's going on because you can't do what he's doing and expect uh, to be great. Um, and it's just really frustrating uh, because you saw the potential on the court. You saw how great of a player he is. And I just don't know that we'll ever see that version of him here or whether it'll last long-term, even if it is here, then it's this constant in and out, this constant, like I said, what if, what's going to happen, when's he coming back, that everybody in the organization has to deal with. And I'm kind of to the point where I'm ready to move him at the deadline, even if it's, uh, you know, selling low just to, because like, like, I think we all agree, we're pretty happy with that front line. You know, I mean, Jonas has played at an all-star level. BI is incredible. Herb Jones is a revelation. Um, All we need is some actual decent guard play. We lack guard play so badly that if we could turn him into some sort of, great guard play, then you're going to have a team that's not a contender, but a team that is a a winner that will consistently win because the guys are locked into contracts and you'll have other um, assets that come along with it. So that's kind of where I'm at. You know, I mean, I hope that even if it's not here, that he gets his shit together and his career takes off because he's a fun and exciting player. And I don't wish, wish him any ill will. I just think he's kind of immature and he's letting other people run his career. 
a lot like Anthony Davis, as I, I said, there's a lot of similarities there. And also those two not being leaders, even though they're star players, is also another thing. So I think we just need to get what we can for him at this point, because I just don't see it as a marriage that's worked out. If you look back at history, you know, Kawhi, KD, all these guys that had weird injury issues, they all left the team that they were that they were with to uh, go on to somebody else and sort of cited like a, a lack of trust in the organization. And again, you know, it's there's fault on both sides. So I'm not saying he's right to do so or that he has, you know, a lot of people say he doesn't have the right to do so. He has a right to do whatever he wants. He's a human being, but uh, it's not really justified maybe uh, to the extent that he thinks it is. Yeah. Um, Ali, um, there first, I'm, I'm going to let you first deal with the, the contents of Christian Clark's article. Yeah. That's what exactly. What um, I was do. <laughs> um, and break it down because you, you were the first to read it amongst us and, there were some passages that I think hit you particularly um, significantly Um, start from there. And then we'll get a little bit deeper into the sides at play here. Yeah. So Christian detailed exactly what's been going on um, in terms of Williamson's rehab. And yeah, I mean, the biggest, you know, hitting piece of information was the fact that we were told that, Basically, Zion would remain under the supervision of the Pelicans medical staff, but that's not really the case because no uh, Pelicans official and nobody that's working for the organization went with Zion to Portland. And instead, he's been working with a guy that's you know off the books uh, named Jasper Bibbs, who's a strength and conditioning coach. You know, he's got a decent resume. I really like what he did in Utah. He spent five years with him um, and, you know, a lot of players there grew to trust him. Right. I I know that Donovan Mitchell is the biggest um, uh, storyline there where he talked him up and said that this guy is really great, basically, and said he's responsible for where basically Donovan's uh, advanced to in his career. Um, So that's great news. But of course, the biggest stickler is he left the Jazz this past summer to work with LSU as their head uh, strength and conditioning guy. And of course, that only lasted a couple months. And I'm not quite sure why he was let go other than all we know, right? He was let go slash fired um, without any kind of reasoning behind it. So to go from that to now suddenly being the guy that's monitoring Zion in Portland is just opens up more questions, right? I mean, that, that that's, I guess, where I'm sitting at because according to Christian, Bibbs has never been on the Pelicans payroll. But yet a positive is he's accompanied the team, right? So he's been around the Pelicans this year on road trips in November and December. If you guys remember, Drew Holiday famously had Mike Guevara, right? Mike G with him a lot, even before he was formally hired by the Pelicans. So that was never a big deal. And you've got to realize all these NBA stars have their guys that they go to, even within a season. So that's not as... Ali, let me interrupt you real quick and ask you this because I don't want to let it go by and miss it. Though was he was he traveling with the understanding, you know, because there are two ways that people bring people. You know, we there are plenty of stories in sports about how people get to travel with teams. There are people there are stars who use their power. I remember the, the famous things about LeBron wanting to have people fly on Miami Heat playing and Pat Riley being like we don't do that here. 
and LeBron saying that's that I'm not cool with that. Is was this at the understanding of the Pelicans that they have vetted this guy in some way that they know he's going to be not like he doesn't have to be on the payroll, but you know, the New England Patriots were very serious about the people who worked with Tom Brady not interfering with what they were doing inside the building, and they made Tom Brady essentially sign off on the fact that what you're doing is on you. You know, so when you're dealing with somebody who's as injured as Zion is and who has the investment the Pelicans have made, is Zion, did Zion just get him in because he's Zion Williamson? Or the Pelicans talk to this guy, go through this and say, yeah, it's it's good that he's with him. That's the million-dollar question right there, David, because I don't know. I don't think anybody knows at this point other than the Pelicans. And, um, yeah, I mean, from an optics perspective – from an optics perspective, it looks bad. But like I said, this has happened multiple times before. And I think I I, I tend to believe that that's, this is nothing that's out of the ordinary. Let's leave it at that. Like with Donovan Mitchell, he's famously had David Alexander who was outside of the Utah jazz, right? He runs a big um, uh, sports facility out of Florida to where a lot of NBA stars go and have them in the off season. Some even within the season. Right. But Dwayne I would Wade. say I would say the difference here, though, and Kevin, I will get your thought on this, too, and we'll let Ali continue. But I just want to get your response and make sure that I'm not the only one saying it. Um, the difference here, though, is we're talking about a potential season long injury and the second basically lost season in his career. It's not rehabilitation in the traditional sense. We're talking about a real serious issue this isn't coming back from an acl tear this isn't coming back from uh, a hamstring pull this is a guy who seems fundamentally broken in some way what's your thought kevin yeah i mean well first off i just want to say i thought ollie was about to say that he had david allen co with him which made sense because it was utah but um uh <laughs> but uh yeah like that's the thing is it's just like it's just this constant dragging thing and you're looking around look at look at the NFL playoffs you know you got a guy like Derrick Henry who broke his foot months after Zion broke his foot and is about to come back and play his first game you see JJ Watt out there you see uh what's Cam the Cam had an ACL tear and it's just like you're looking at this guy that broke his foot in the summer and we were told that he was going to come back at the start of the season and now it's just like is like, does he even exist anymore? Because you don't, we don't see him. We don't hear from him. We heard from him just the other day for the first time in forever. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just like, what are we doing here? I mean, he just seems like uh, whatever is happening with his body is a major concern, um, you know? And uh, it, it looks like, I mean, hopefully he can get it figured out, but there has got to be fear that, that this is going to be a reoccurring long-term constant thing with him where he has some sort of issue that is constantly nagging him, bothering him, keeping him out. Um, because, you know, that's what it's been since he's gotten here. I mean, I know you can look at Joel Embiid and say he came back, but he keeps missing time. He just has played uh, more and more effective and, you know, has won games in this league. Uh, you know, made it to the playoffs and been in MVP talks and all of that stuff. So uh, he has a little bit more uh, juice than Zion does at this moment and a little bit more trust built in. But um, 
I mean, we'll see. Uh, my fingers are crossed for him, but it's definitely something that's got to be extremely troubling to everyone involved in the situation. Let me yeah. jump in here real quick because yeah, I want to finish my thought. Yeah, I want to finish my thought. I wasn't that troubled by today's news, honestly. We knew that Zion's going to go up there, and you just wanted him have an NBA trainer, right? What we learned today is actually the name of it. What troubles me is why wasn't this announced at the start when it was, you know, basically we were told that he's going to go up to Portland, right? right? Well, so that that's the biggest thing. But the but this guy Jasper Bibbs, I'm not that concerned about it being him because let's face it, a lot of NBA players have accoladed him in the past. He worked yeah, but, for a well, long time. If, I mean, Let me what are these legal issues? Like, I want to know. You, he got fired by LSU. He never even got to start the season. But that doesn't so, mean that, D- David. What I'm getting to is, we don't know whether it was for being a bad trainer uh, or bad person. I mean, like, but work, you want somebody who's got? You don't know. That's the whole point, Ali. Is that you don't know? And just because they, there are people it. who will vouch for a lot of bad people, you know what I'm saying? It's like. The Pelican should be the one who told you about this guy, like you're saying. That's what you're I was getting to. Right. Exactly. That's my so biggest problem dead, with this whole thing is why wasn't this announced from the get-go? And this guy's been on road trips, and apparently he's he's been Zion's guy, right? That, that's what I'm assuming from today's information. So and why that's would not we just unheard of. That? And yeah. I don't have a problem with that, but why weren't we told ahead of time? That's well, the biggest problem. My, it feels my, like my, no one is like, in control. Those aren't my problems. My problem with it is that we were told that there were going to be team people there and Mm -hmm. there's not team people there. So that's another lie from the front office. And then it's another like, well, how do we know he's, that's another disconnection. But we don't know if he's not getting any kind of benefits from this. Like, but if the team personnel said they're going to be there and they're not there, they have to tell you that that changed, that the plan changed. It shouldn't come out in a newspaper article that the plan changed because, again, this is chipping away. At the, it continues. They ha- there, there can't be credibility at this point from the Pelicans. How can you feel anything? Because you're, everything we have to your, your whole belief in optimism is purely speculative because there's no fact in either way. And I think that's the thing for me and Kevin is that there's no evidence in either way to suggest that something positive has happened. The last thing we saw from Zion was negative, and we have not gotten a straight answer. Well, here's the underlying issue. The biggest problem is the fact that Zion in his rookie season got unhappy with the medical training staff and really basically didn't really want to work with him. We heard that following summer when Alvin was let go, that whoever was going to come in was not only going to have to like basically kind of mend the relationship with Zion, but be able to get him to work right with the medical staff and such. And to me, it doesn't sound like that's really happened. Right. I mean, otherwise, Gibbs Bibbs would already be on the payroll or or they would have announced or something along those lines. So, yes, my biggest issue I'm with you guys on this is the fact that it doesn't seem like the Pelicans and Zion are really on the same page. Well, the Pelicans have no control. I think the main thing for me in this is it's what I was talking about earlier with you have all these players bought into Willie Green and the culture and they're they're like you know, to you, I mean, whatever, I'll use the word family. You know, that's funny for me, for me to use it because I always make fun of it, but like they got that vibe going and Zion is not like, he doesn't never seem to have bought into that at all while he was here. And now he's totally removed with no connection to the team, not even the members of the team that were supposed to go with on the train. So he's just totally out of the picture. And that's my concern is that, 
these guys got this thing going and then he's going to come back and then be inserted and expect to be the man and they have to adjust to him when he's not really like bought into what they're doing. It's it feels like, you know, the thing. Yeah. Because when I look at this to compare this to Joel Embiid, you knew that Joel Embiid was not playing his first two seasons. They told you that from day one. Said Joel's not playing. The same thing when Ben Simmons got there, when he had the stress fracture. They said Ben will not play his rookie year. They were clear about it, you know. So, well, they they made that clear in the middle of that season. Remember, they they were thinking he would come back at some point, but he. But as soon as they were, there was they felt like there was no chance. I'm saying there was constant update on it, Ali. They never they never lied. They never yeah, lied. We're on our fourth timeline now. On, they never lied. And with Embiid, you knew he was going to sit the first two years because they, they were so worried about those legs. Yeah, but there was a real expectation Zion was going to come back this year, guys. Hold That'd on, Ali. Let me finish, man, because you're skipping the point. The point is, if the, it didn't matter what the Pelicans thought on day one, that there's optimism he's going to come back. They've not been forthright, so either they're lying or they don't know. And either what are they lying is, about, David? What are they lying about? Either they're lying about what they know about the extent of his injury. You don't think he actually had a setback and that changed things? But what's the extent of the setback? He was supposed to because the oh, bone. You have the, no the, idea. There was a regression in his bone healing. That was you the explanation. That's what happened to Kevin Durant. Ali, you're giving a roundabout answer. Kevin, you got it. Kevin, no, I'm not. You're cutting me off every time I talk. (laughs) Kevin, are you telling Kevin? Is it bullshit? I'm not saying Ali's bullshit, but I'm saying it's bullshit. No, I agree, bro. Because like we we're already on the fourth timeline with this, and that goes back to my main point: is when whether it's Zion's fault or the team's fault or both people's fault or nobody's fault, this constant resetting of the timeline is what always leads to that player saying, I need to get out of here because I don't trust the the situation. And that's okay, my biggest I, I hear everything you guys are saying, but there was a legitimate period of time where Zion was building up. I saw it with my own eyes. He that's was supposed to practice. Let me finish. He was supposed to practice for the first time on December 2nd. And right then it didn't happen because of soreness. They did a scan a few days later. Boom. They showed regression in his bone. See, that to me, so to categorize this whole thing as a big lie is false. You guys That's are just That's not wrong. what I said. You're I wrong. Said either they are lying about the extent of the injury, which is, which, yes, we all remember when they said this, that there was soreness and it was a, a setback. But even that changed. Even that changed. Because they were, then they were talking about, oh, another positive thing. This was another positive thing. But they kept, they, they have kept supplying false hope. When the easiest when he was thing ramping up, do, that wasn't false hope. Ollie. Um, no, David. With, why are you dismissing the fact that I saw he was progressing? That's more one and more. time. You're citing the one time during the year. I'm saying the over the course of the season, like Kevin is talking about, there have been multiple changes and they have not been dealt with honestly by the At the start at on Media Day, it was horrible. That that was horrible. And David since Griffin December second, it's still been bad. What you is guys the organization? Are, are break, you're trying to put it all into one neat little sentence. That's not how this has gone. Ali, I'm not saying it's. I'm saying it's absolutely it's, not a neat little sentence. Yeah, I'm saying this I whole thing, thing has been a fiasco. Yeah. However, it's failed. Like it, Kevin and I, what we're saying is, it doesn't matter how it's failed. It's been a colossal failure, and both parties have a huge stake in that. The Pelicans yeah. have messed this up. Zion has messed this up. 
that's where we are right now. The answer may be what Kevin's saying is trade him. I'm saying to you, I'm apathetic about him at this point. There are people who are going to say you don't trade him. I get all those perspectives. But the thing that we cannot deny is that this is an absolute mess right now. And it looks bad for Zion. It looks bad for the Pelicans. And and the fans have no reason to be happy about it. And that's what we're talking about. The optics of all that that's gone on has been bad because they haven't been in lockstep, like they said. They weren't, let's say, honest right up front. And then since they have not released important details. So, yes, I agree with you guys overall from a broad perspective. Absolutely. But I just think that the details do matter. It's not just one giant lie is all I'm saying. No, right? I didn't say Zion it was, was a giant Zion was lie. never going to play. He was never I like ramping up. I didn't say it was up. a giant lie. I'm saying at different times they were less. It's like it's when Griffin does the thing and says, well, I didn't say the start of the season. Those are lies. That's parents call those lies. That's what you're taught when you're that omission is a lie too. And that there are times that they have intentionally allowed people to think things that aren't true because it benefited them. They allowed you to really believe, you know, cause they keep saying, well, we think he'll be back by this. We think he'll be back. They let that information that out yeah. and they don't have to do that. That's the whole thing. I was like, I don't understand why they jump in their own way to fuck this up. Like somebody, when this is all, the tale of this is written, however it ends, there's no way that the people who are involved in it right now survive it. Maybe Willie, but the rest of this, historically speaking, we'd have to say the trend uh, is either Griffin's gone very soon or Zion's gone very soon, but these two will not make it. This the organization in Zion as currently constructed will not make it. That's my thought. I'm not there yet. I'm just not because, like I said, I'm close to the team, and this is not unusual. You guys remember when Donovan Mitchell got hurt in the last playoffs, and and it was a big to do that he was at odds right with the Jazz mm-hmm. and all that. But and he went to go work out with David Alexander, but apparently that fence got me. Actually, that happened in the bubble, right? He got hurt in the bubble, I believe. I'm trying to remember when he sprained his ankle. Everything's gotten gotten mush in my head over the last couple of years. But either way, I know there was a big, you know, a disconnect that was between the organization and the player. And basically things got smoothed over because the guy got healthy. But he, of course, worked out on, on his own accord with whoever he wanted. And that's why I'm saying I'm not there yet with you But are you we guys talking about Donovan I, Mitchell getting ready to leave now in Utah? And also, you're talking about a situation in Utah that was not nearly as bad as what's going on in New Orleans. Yeah. Look, I'm just making a comparison to where we are at today with with a guy named Jasper Bibbs working out with Zion in Portland. It's not just about the guy working out with him, though. It's all of like I you know. said, it's all I, I, of the I know because I've heard picture. it from you guys. I know, but I'm not going back to the start of the season where we've all agreed upon that was just so poorly handled. No, we're not talking doubt. about the start of the season. We're talking about now, too, is that things have to, have changed. Like things have changed. Everything about how you're how we evaluate this team has to have changed. Herb becoming Herb Jones changes how we evaluate Trey Murphy. You know, because now you're talking about what the you know, are you again, if Zion Williamson it doesn't play this year and it goes into next year, let's say he still can't return at the beginning of next year. 
what is the value of some of these guys who you drafted specifically to play with Zion Williamson if you're not going to have Zion Williamson for 60 games a year, 70 games a year? Yeah, that do makes you have trip. to start building? Do you? I mean, as an organization, you have to start deciding. Is Brandon Ingram and Jonas Valanciunas and Herb Jones our core that we start building out from? Do we wait for Zion? All these questions have to be answered in a very short amount of time. Well, and we'll find out, right, with the move that they make maybe at the trade deadline, before the trade deadline. I agree. If they go and make a big swing, then you've got to wonder about it. I will, anyways. If they go and chase and give up a lot of assets for De'Aaron Fox or somebody like that, I'll wonder about exactly what you guys are talking about. But if they don't, then I tend to think that they still have a full expectation. Zion will return at some point and be a real member of the team. I I mean, whether or not Zion returns – and uh, actually, I'll let you go with this, Kevin. Whether and I'll ask you that way, whether or not Zion returns, and this is the debate going across uh, Pelicans Twitter and all this. Uh, should the Pelicans make a big move, um, or should or it, do you feel like there's something else, or should they stand pat? Uh, what time of day is it? I don't know. I changed my mind on that so much. Uh, I mean, it's tough. I can see it going either way. Um, I, the hardest thing is like I don't really trust the the main guy in charge, so I don't really like the idea of him making a splashy move. Um, but you know, again, like what Ali said, if we're ready to move on, and you see you got that front line, and you can get a star player to go in that backcourt to make things easier for those guys and build a real team that way, and just ready to roll it roll it out. I got. I don't have a problem with that. Of course, depending on who the player is, I have skepticisms about certain ones that get thrown around. Um, but um, for me, if I guess if I was in charge right now, I would make some. You know, I would possibly feel out what I could get for Zion at this point, and if there's something good, I would make that move. Um, but um, I would mostly just work around the edges and just try to get like a serviceable point guard. Because we see like how important that point guard is, not just to winning games, but like if you have when Jose's out there and he's playing with Jackson Hayes, Jackson Hayes looks like he can be an NBA player on the offensive end at least because he's making his job easier. And it's hard to develop young guys if they don't have a guy that sets them up and puts them in the right position. And that's something we talked about from the preseason podcast that we talked about that we were saying that the guard rotation is really skeptical uh, going into this season. And it's proven to be worse than I think we all thought um, except for with the exception of Josh Hart has exceeded, I think all of our expectations. Uh, but I would, you know, definitely try to get a guy that's, you know, like a, not to get into names and stuff yet, but just like mm-hmm. a serviceable point guard that can maybe bump uh Devontae Graham to the bench and have him play more of the role he played in Charlotte, like like a true point guard. And if you could get a guy that can play the four and small ball five, I think you have a chance to get into that, um, uh, to the play in, possibly get into the, the bottom end of the, um, you know, maybe the top end of the play in even, and then start to build from there and then try to make your major move in the off season. Um, but get these guys, you know, get these guys some wins, get them some playoff experience, especially if you think this is going to be the core, that front line that you have. I mean, Jonas has been to the playoffs, but Ingram hasn't. Obviously, Herb and, Herb and uh, hasn't, and Josh Hart hasn't. So, 
you want to, if you can get those guys experience and still add just small pieces without more like cashing in all the future and still maybe have that Zion trade chip to really build out after that. I think that's something that's beneficial, but you know, if there's a good deal for Zion, I'm making it. Ali, um, let's, let's put it, let's, let's do it this way, Ali. Um, we've known for three years now that the same needs have existed for the Pelicans point guard in depth at the forward position. Same problem. Pelicans have the weakest bench in the NBA. They contend on most nights. And then to set the scene, you also look around the NBA and we're talking about in the Western conference that outside of San Antonio and, um, you know, there aren't what's 12 teams in the West, you know, you'd say in contention. 12 teams in the East as well, right? Mm -hmm. 11, 12 teams, right? So the market, I can't imagine that it's an easy buyer's market with so many teams jockeying for position, believing that they've got a shot since there isn't a clear dominant team, since there are problems, you know, injury-wise with the Nets. There's problems injury-wise with this team and that team. It's going to be hard if, you know, for the Pelicans to just go grab a frontline player. Exactly. The competition's got to be fierce, right? You got to expect Portland's going to make a move. There's a, maybe just one or two other teams, but for the most part, yeah. I mean, where, how does New Orleans fit and how can they compete to give a team that's probably looking to add a piece for the now rather than the later. And so I don't see how it's going to happen. I mean, today we got news of De'Aaron Fox of uh, the Kings wanting to keep him with Halliburton. That's maybe posturing, as we learned, right? They did the same thing with DeMarcus Cousins. But even if that's the case, where who, who else is going to honestly be a seller, and especially for something that the Pelicans need? And so, yeah, I think your stance long ago and several others of Pelicans just being very careful with how they approach this trade deadline speaks volumes to me. You, you, you don't want to push all your chips in, especially if you think Zion's still going to be a part of this whole plan. You haven't seen it and how he works with this roster. And, and and anybody that just scoffs at the idea that any of these players of the Pelicans are really expendable that have been contributing, I laugh at, especially Josh Hart. He sits at the top of my list. I don't want to let go of Josh Hart until I know about Zion and I also know who you're bringing in is actually going to fit because I personally am not a Fox fan. I don't think he fits with this, this roster that's presently constructed with Willie Green's style of Point five offense. So, yeah, I mean, people want to say let's swing for the fences with any name that possibly becomes available. But that really doesn't make a lot of sense, especially when they finally have some cohesiveness, some chemistry, and they're actually, you know, better than the sum of their parts, basically. That's something that's generally not ever been the case here in New Orleans. And this month, like, my whole point to this, too, has been this month, month is is a ridiculously hard month for a team at full strength when you look at what the Pelican schedule is like for January um it's it's dang near impossible for them to gain ground but uh it's also really hard for them in the west right now to lose ground if you survive January as bad as and I know people keep going well they're 15 and 26 whatever yeah but everybody's like that right now like the yeah. Pelicans just have to be within striking distance. And to me, I have no understanding of people who are willing to overpay 
to get eliminated in either the play-in or the first round of the playoffs because that's going to happen regardless. I just don't get throwing away stuff for that. Kevin? Yeah, I mean, I agree with that. I think if you make the big splash, it's like a centerpiece that's going to be here for years and contribute to, uh, you know, winning every year. You know, you want to build a instant winner, and that that's the kind of piece you add. I don't think you make the splash move just to um, – you know, just to get into the play and get eliminated in the first round. I think it's got to be more of a future future based move, even if it is a big name right now. Um, and that's why I think for now, work around the edges, just get in. And, and like, like I said, get into the, the play in, get into the maybe the first round and get eliminated just to get those scars out of the way and then make your big move in the off season if it prevents it, if it presents itself. But um, I mean, I do think regardless of, if if it's a big name or if it's just an around the edges guy, there has to be a point guard brought into this team. Yes. And the problem with that is there's not many on the market that are going to be available, uh, especially with contenders and, you know, like teams like Boston and other contenders or like, you know, Boston isn't a contender, but they're a team that's expected to be an upper echelon Eastern conference team that's underperforming. And they, that's a clear need for them. Um, you have all these other teams that need point guards are just are like trying to keep their point guard rotation together for their run into at the play in or the playoffs. So it's like that's a really hard position to get right now, it seems like, especially with in, like, you know, maybe Rubio would have been expendable at some point, even though he was a key figure in the um, uh, for the Cavs or or Colin Sexton, but now Colin Sexton's hurt. So like they're both hurt. So you can't get either one of those guys. So that's two guys off the market. Um, you know, so it's, it's just a difficult position to, to upgrade right now, but it's the thing that they need the most. They need it desperately to develop guys and to like win. They just can't, you, you can't win games without having a guy to create offense for you. No, um, it's, it, it, that's their biggest problem. It's, you know, defensively, uh, they even with the second unit, the def- the defense doesn't change a ton, but the offensive efficiency is what goes down to the seller. Right. But you know, Ali, I want to see if you think this is a valid comparison. The the year that the Phoenix Suns made their push and went undefeated in the bubble, they before you know the, the next year we obviously they they make the finals. Mm-hmm. That year they didn't make changes during the season. They exactly. rode out. Devin Booker, they rode out Mikael Bridges. They rode out DeAndre Ayton, you know, because remember he had missed a bunch of that season at the start of the year. They rode out that group. Let them have that time with their coach. And they made, it feels like that's the moment where Phoenix made the decision on who were the keepers and who everybody else they were going to let go. Because then they go out and they drafted Cam Johnson. They go out and get Chris Paul. You get Jay Crowder. You get all these veterans, Mike uh, Frank Kaminsky. You get all these guys, Reclamation Project campaign. But they figured out who was staying and who was going through that adversity. And they allowed it to play itself out. They didn't make the playoffs. They won all their games but didn't make the playoffs. But they allowed the process to play itself out and figured out their identity and who was going to fit it. I think the Pelicans are in that place. It's a uncomfortable place, but I think that's where they are. And I think that that's the light at the end of the tunnel. 
Yeah, exactly. That year you're referring to, Ricky Rubio was their starting point guard. And I believe Kelly Oubre was their starting small forward, right? Yeah. And so mm-hmm. obviously they moved on. And the, the Suns made all the right button pushes, right? Grabbing Chris Paul, Jay Crowder, and such. And you're right, they built around their core guys. But you've already mentioned who the core guys are for New Orleans. I think writing's on the wall there, right? B.I., Valanciunas, and of course, Herb Jones. But there's uh, still so many question marks with their young guys. I think that's the biggest stumbling block for all this because Jackson Hayes has been on the trade block seemingly now for over a month. But yet you always hope that he'll turn the corner because let's face it, his value, if he could just grow into the player that we think he could, if he lived up to his potential, he'd be immensely valuable to this squad, right? They need a guy that can defend the paint, um, change shots on a moment's notice and be able to basically play that great defense to where you, everybody can switch positions, right? And There's eat been the games of glass. Exactly. Yeah. So, and then same thing with Nikhil. I mean, I still honestly have hopes for Nikhil. I know that he's been subpar shooter for three years now, but there's been guys that have followed in those footsteps who kind of finally figure it out. Um, but for the Pelicans, though, the, the, the killer is that nobody has stepped forward. Kyra looked like he was about to before he went down with injury. But other than Herb mm-hmm. Jones, there's, you know, you can't say anything positive about any of the other guys, right? Najee Marshall doesn't play. Trey Murphy's been, you know, for, for whatever reason, just thrown into the abyss, even though his numbers say that he can not only defend, he, he should be a good three-point shooter, even though he's not knocking him down, but why not play him? And so I feel like what you mentioned with Phoenix and how they stumbled through that season before getting their act together in a bubble, I kind of want to see it with this team. So if you're going to make some moves, I really believe, like you said, get some competent play like a Ricky Rubio type. Of course, you're not going to get that type of guy. He's not available, for one. They were hoping to get it out of Sandoransky, but obviously that hasn't worked out. But get somebody that can run some competent offense. Because as Kevin already mentioned, what Jose Alvarado has shown in his glimpses has been far greater than what anybody else has done. I mean, Devontae Graham's not a legitimate point guard. He's more of a secondary playmaker who honestly lives out there because of his three-point shooting, low turnovers, and, of course, coming through more so in the clutch. They, they just got to fill those holes, David. And that's why I think you and I both want to see some smaller moves to see what you can get from the rest of these parts because you've got to figure out who you're going to be going on or moving forward with past this season, right? You've yep. got to be able to sign off on, okay, we're going to stick with this guy. He showed us something. And to be able to do that, you've got to unlock them. And they don't have the guys I feel like to unlock a Trey Murphy or somebody else. And, and the failure, you know, when Griff came in, the whole thing was we had to have developed young players. And, you know, that was the deal. My thing has always been that there have been too many of them. You can't do it all at once. It hasn't worked to this point. And we talked about this before the season. I think you guys both remember is that the bet was clear that Griff was hoping that everybody made the leap in the, at the exact same time. Yeah. Well, B.I. made a leap. Josh Hart has made a leap. No one else that's been on this team for longer than a year made a leap. Right. That's a problem. <laughs> You've got to make some changes, right? That's what it signals. Yeah, and that, like going back to what you were talking about the young guys, and I'll just, you know, I've always been a guy that was really high on Nikhil, and it's just been frustrating watching him this year. I mean, it's like, you know, I he has everything in him that makes you think that he could be an even better version of Tyreek Evans for this team, and he just will not do what he needs to do. He's, he's trying to be James Harden, 
and he needs to be Tyreek Evans. He just needs to attack the basket, kick out when when there's not a shot there, or finish at the rim. And and it's that seems simple, you know. Like I don't know why he can get to the rim, no problem. He has a much better handle than Tyreek had. I'm you know Tyreek's my favorite Pelican of all time. Uh, uh, Nikhil has two hands. Tyreek had one hand. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know uh, he was he working fights, it. He. <laughs> he fights over screens. You know, he, he's a more willing defender than Tyreek Evans. Uh, he does. He's a, probably a little bit slower. He could probably add some more strength to kind of mm-hmm. use that strength that uh, Tyreek had. I mean, Tyreek wasn't a super quick athlete either. Um, but, you know, if he would just fo- just watch a bunch of Tyreek Evans film, like this is what I need to be doing with my game and not fall in love with these ridiculous three-point shots that you cannot make. Uh, he could be a serviceable, very good player for you. He can make that leap that you're talking about. But it's that's the thing is like, I don't know what the problem is, but we can't develop guys to get out of these bad habits that they have. You know, and Willie's new to this situation. Um, and you see, obviously, Herb Jones is, go- is uh, developing constantly as he goes along, but that's also possibly probably a lot due to his mentality. Um, but, you know, like Jackson Hayes, we all knew was like an immature project. Uh, and so, like, I didn't have high expectations, but obviously the ceiling was there. I got it. But Nikhil, he was more of a veteran player coming in as a rookie. So I was expecting more from him. And he's shown you all these flashes. He has all these basketball skills, but he just can't put it together on the court. And it's extremely frustrating. And it's all his own undoing it's he has everything he needs to be a successful player um so it might be a situation where as much as I like him and I want him to succeed here that he needs to have a change of scenery um to to develop as a player and maybe you like swap him out for another guy that's kind of in a similar situation on another team and hope that that change of scenery ignites a spark in both of those guys and it works out for everybody but I don't know I mean something has to happen because like you said, we were counting on these young guys to be contributing by year three and they're contributing to dragging down the plus minus and that's all they're doing. Ali, um, you know, let, let's end on a high note though, Ali. I, I really do. You know, the, the, this road trip has not been a great road trip. Um, they can't they, beat anybody in the East, man, on the road. One and no, eight. no. <laughs> Um, and and they'll likely lose in Madison Square Garden. But um, again, the Pelicans have pulled out wins against mm-hmm. teams. They have, again, like you've said, Ali, in years past, the Pelicans have more wins over 500 teams than the Lakers do. You know, like they have played some very good games this year, um, and I think that ultimately is what has been the difference between this season and the previous two. Is that the one thing I have not been able to question? Now, you could question the productivity. You could question guys being on the court, minutes, whatever. I can't question the effort of this team, and I can't question right now the effort of this coaching staff and its diligence in trying to get this team to do the right thing, to play intelligent, hard-nosed basketball every night. It is clear that Willie Green is setting an identity for this team. That's what we've been asking for for a decade Uh, since the Bensons took over the franchise, since the Crescent City connection was broken up, 
You've been waiting for an identity for this franchise. And I will say that is something that over the first 43 games of the season that I have enjoyed. Oh, yeah, spot on. I mean, add to it, they're finally winning at home. That is something that you and I always talked about in years past, their inability to do so. Uh, beat sub-500 teams. Generally, they've been pretty darn good, I want to say, under um, you know teams that are just mediocre. Because in years past, we lamented all those bad losses. Hasn't really felt like that this year. So there are so many positive signs for me from that aspect. Um, but yeah, Willie Green, what he's done and how he has made defensive focus by inserting Herb Jones in his starting lineup and having Josh Hart out there at the same time. I mean, I, I, I forget the number, David, but you wrote up a recap where you said you get, you basically listed the Pelicans record when they've held the opponent to, was it under hundred points? Or 105. Something? Yeah. The, yeah. The magic and, number is 105. And it's, it's, it's a great number and they've done that a lot this year. Um, so hats off to that. And the fact that, like I said, Willie knows that he doesn't have a legitimate type A ball dominant guy to run the offense through to go to that 0.5 system. So he's, to me, he's checked all the right boxes. So it just bodes well for the future. He just needs more productive pieces. And then of course, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, I was just going to say, like, I think if you remove the first 20 to 25 games of the season, throw those away. After that, like the team has been fun to watch and that's really all I care about, you know? And I think a big part of that is at some point, those guys were like, they were stopped. They stopped waiting for Zion to come back and they just did what they had to do. And I think that was a big, big shift in in what changed how the team was playing in the sense that they, they stopped waiting for a savior and started saving themselves, you know? Yeah, exactly. The Josh Hart They've been winning clutch games, right? That's yeah. something they couldn't do at the start of the year. They were 0-8. Now they've won a whole bunch. And why is it? Because they're trusting the system. Willie's getting the most out of the guys that he's playing. They defend every possession to the to the last one. You're, you don't see the mistake that got made in the garden last year. Yes. You, you, don't, you don't see that. If you do see it, it happens in the second or the third period, and that person gets pulled and is not coming back. Um, there's, there's a sense of accountability. There's a mm-hmm. sense of trust. And, and I'll, you know, I've, we've talked about this before too, the, the development of Brandon Ingram from statistical all-star to actual mm-hmm. all-star. Yeah. Huge. That's important. Yeah. Yeah. Cause like there was times where I, like, I like BI, I always have, but there was points where I worried that he was a good stats, bad team player. And then he's totally For not sure. that anymore. He go iso you ball. You wouldn't see him running back on defense. Now yeah. he can get across half, half court line. He doesn't do any of that stuff anymore. He's grown. Um, there's positives. There are positives, and and I think ultimately, um, I think it's, it's a. I think it's not as bad a time to be a Pelicans fan as people might want to feel. You have this one huge cloud, and and certainly it hangs over the organization like nothing else. But there's a lot to take joy in. And I think whatever entertains you, if you're going to become a fan of something, please try to find the joy in it. And, you know, just if it makes you that angry. Ugh. Yeah, yeah. There's something else. Yeah, I agree. So, um, guys, uh, I think we've covered it all. Um, we will definitely we will get into um, when we can. We'll get into some of the trade speculations on, on another podcast and start talking about that. But again, our general feeling is just that there's not a big name that they're, that they're able to get, but we will go through the mental exercise as a service 
to you, our listeners. So for Kevin Berrios and Editor-in-Chief Ali Cosell, I am David Grubb. This has been The Bird Calls. And in the words of our esteemed friend, Preston Ellis, let's go Pels. listening to the bird calls on the armchair all-american network if you like what you're hearing please take a moment to rate us on itunes retweet share with your friends and most importantly subscribe today